I sing of tea and tea drinking. Why tea? Oh, ye coffee drinkers, ye soda guzzlers, ye disciples of alcohol and water, to you I come to speak of tea. Tea emanates from the mists of prehistory. It is a creation, a manifestation of an ongoing phenomenon, inscrutable old China. China the ancient, China the here, China the unknowable. According to legend, Shen Nong, the father of agriculture, who taught men how to plow the field and also how to weave out of hemp clothing. It is said 5,000 years ago, Shen Nung fell asleep, nursing a cup of water underneath an enormous wild tea plant. A leaf fell in, he awoke, took a sip, tea was born. If we probe deeper, I suspect tea was already with us. I maintain the tea with us much, much, much longer than that. When I was a lad, I drank no tea. Coffee, coffee and brandy was all we had. I perpetuated this tendency into college, whereupon I developed insomnia, palpitations, and a personality resembling Martin Scorsese on cocaine. One day a Moroccan friend, noting my duress, took me home and nothing sordid, mind you, he and his friends introduced me to gunpowder tea. I drank gunpowder tea all day, a man enraptured and imbued with a great love for my new mistress. Since then, gunpowder has been my constant companion. Gunpowder opened the door to the world of tea. Tea is not merely a drink. It's not merely even a culture. It's a way of life. It's inextricably linked with that other Chinese phenomenon, the Tao. Of course, the Tao, like tea, predates China by eons. Possibly the Tao by much more. To be in the presence of tea is to be in the presence of the now. Tea removes all anticipation, or if it leaves it, it imbues a film of mild and pleasant surmise. Tea introduces you to the world as it perhaps truly is, not of figures and facts, but of fluidity. Tea is Taoism, and Taoism is tea. So now I've told you the story how I came to tea. Did I perpetuate coffee drinking? Of course, from time to time I'll relapse. I am married to tea, but coffee is a tempting mistress. But oftentimes, as is the case with mistresses, one emerges with a headache, money lost, and a vague, 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 vague dislike of humanity. So tea, my constant companion, will reprove me if I wander off with mistress coffee. T 
She will scold me, but in a very gentle way that causes me to love her even more. The son of a prostitute and a former clown, Lu Yu, a Chinese eccentric of the early Dang Dynasty, came to tea when he was a young man. Later, in a Buddhist monastery, he decided that tea was perhaps even more enticing than the doctrines of Siddhartha Gautama. So he left the monastery, spent the rest of his life in a culvert by a drainage pipe, and served people tea. He wrote a book called The Classic of Tea, in which he expounds pretty much as I have his great love for tea, tea as a philosophical tool par excellence, but to call it a tool is blasphemy. Tea is much more than that. Tea informs and nourishes. Tea is a presence. Tea is a personality. Lu Yu and his colleagues composed a very peculiar poem to tea, in which one is drinking tea throughout the night and becoming tea drunk, for the tea is quite strong. Unfortunately, we don't know what variety he was drinking. At the very end of the night, he felt himself to be in the presence of the gods, with them drinking tea. The Olympians in Greece had their elixir. The Egyptians had their own peculiar concoction. The Aztec gods drank blood. But the gods of China enjoyed tea, with an occasional sprinkling of plum wine. But like my penchant of coffee, they paid for that one as well. You might have heard me slurping. No, it was not bad acoustics. You indeed heard me slurping. What am I drinking? I hear you mutter. Why, a cup of pu'er, pu'er, which is both oxidized and fermented. For those of you that follow Western medicine, is one of my favorites. Buried in the ground, and then dug up, sometimes years later, looking like a reanimated corpse. It is then chiseled with a sculptor's tool, and a fine elixir is brewed. Pu'er, one of the lesser-known teas of China, was one of the last to reach the Western world. To me, pu'er has a decidedly chthonic feel. By chthonic, I mean the earth. By the earth, I mean the underworld. Pu'er feels as though one is coming into contact with the dead, not just the dead, but those who preceded us in every thought, and every word, and every action. By sinking into Pu'er, we find ourselves resting in the bosom of the Earth Goddess herself, nourished by her earthiness. However, if we wander too long in these underworld caverns, seeking suck from strange purple bosoms, we fall into peril. Lest we remain too long, we lose our identities and ourselves. And become absorbed into the earth. I myself am an airy creature, a sprite, a creature of form and fancy. I exist in the ether, constantly in motion. Yet Pu'er is a pleasant earthly dalliance. A strange portent has appeared to me on the floor, upon the plankwood. There is a white, limp, serpentine structure, 
resembling the Hebrew letter Yod. Now back to T. Many a night, my friends, I've spent in revelry, accompanied by boon companions, seductive strangers, much whiskey, cognac, amaro, gin. All vodka could disappear tomorrow. I never touch the stuff. At the end of the night, in a strange couch, covered in sweat, with a headache, causing me to yearn for death, I cry out for tea. Had I spent a quiet night in her arms, sipping gently, it would not be thus. Therefore, my friends, I say do not abandon your other habits. Quaff your coffee, imbibe your whiskeys. But give tea a glance. Tea does not need you. Tea is aristocratic and also peasant. It is decidedly not middle class. You can take tea or leave it. Tea will be all fine for it. Tea will be the same. Drink a cup of tea, whether you detest it or love it, or what is more likely, complete indifference. Think about me, very briefly. Salah. I had mentioned earlier that Moroccans had introduced me to tea. It was paradoxically Morocco in the far west of North Africa that opened the door to China. I was a bedraggled bookseller at a failing bookstore chained to a cashier. Late one night, a strange man walked in. He had a rather nondescript face, although lively eyes twinkled behind glasses. He had a vaguely nautical sensibility about his dress, and I gathered that he was probably somewhere in the north of Africa. His reading selection staggered me. It contained books on physics, poetry, magic, history, and even trash novels. He asked me a few questions. I responded with erudition. He tipped me $20. I asked his name. Hamid, he said. My name is Hamid, and I'm from the Kingdom of Morocco. Over the next few weeks, I befriended Hamid. It turned out he was a dissident. He had offended the government somehow and was living here in Gainesville in a state of exile. He was translating a book, a treatise written in the uh, Maghrebi dialect of Arabic. A fellow Moroccan about six centuries before had composed a magical treatise, a grimoire, the goal of which was to obtain the language of birds, birds who knew many secrets. For, as Hamid would say, the birds talk to jinn and with angels, and they know many things. Hamid never showed me this treatise, although for the next few months I spent many times in his company, 
over gunpowder tea, discussing all manner of things. Ahmed disappeared and then he resurfaced. Disappeared again, 20 years later. He was still translating the same grimoire. When I first met him, I would set his age about 45 or 50. 20 years later, he seemed not a day older. I sometimes wonder what became of Ahmed. He was one of those many beings that come through Gainesville, make themselves known to a few, and then disappear without a trace as mysteriously as they came. <laughs>